Good morning. Welcome to part six of a series we're doing called Life Beyond Religion, where we've been walking through pretty quickly the Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon ever preached, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, where Jesus introduces what his vision is for life beyond religion. What many people do not know is that Jesus did not come to improve religion. I'm going to give you an updated 2.0 version of religion. He, that's not what he did. He came to end it and create something that was way beyond external behavior modification, and it was internal transformation. We're so glad that you are with us for part six. We have a special day planned for you. This Friday night and Saturday, I I am so excited that we are hosting the first Conquering the Chaos conference. And it is a conference to just take care of first responders and their families. So anyone who's a first responder, maybe you know someone and they could really use just a time where they are spoken into, they are uh, taken care of, they have a chance to just relax and worship and laugh. We would love for you to invite them to this first one this Friday. Part of the reason why years ago we built this facility and continue, continue to do the things that we're doing is because we can host things like this. And uh, very excited, very excited. The subject matter of today could not come at a better time because there are so many families who are first responder families who need help. They need some external input and encouragement. And we're going to provide that this Friday. Very excited. We're glad you're here today because today is something that is really a continuation of last weekend, and uh, this series has been insightful from the standpoint, and many people don't realize that Jesus didn't come to create something beyond religion. Many people don't know that, but he comes and he stands up on this mount, and he looks at his followers, and he says to them, those people who had been poor in spirit, they weren't the spiritual superstars. People who were in mourning, who were sad. They weren't, oh, hip-hop happy day for Jesus. They were not that. They were, they, life was hard. And he looks at them and he says, but I tell you that I'll give you the capacity to do what you must do. And that is go beyond the righteousness of the leaders, the religious leaders of your day, the, the Pharisees and teachers of the law. Now, that was an amazing statement. It's the hook statement of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 20. You must go beyond the righteousness of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. Now, if you haven't been with us, you've missed a very important part of understanding the Sermon on the Mount that is revealed in that verse. And that is the word he uses for righteousness is the Greek word dikaiousene. And the word was not a religious word. It was the word Plato used, Aristotle used to describe the human being where everything internally has been set right. We would call it an inner goodness, just a goodness that crowds out other stuff. And so Jesus says, I'm going to show you how you will live a life of internal goodness. So much so, and then you remember, he gives six illustrations. You won't want to hold on to anger. This goodness will flood it out, wash it out. You won't want to hold on to lust. You won't want to hold on to marital unhappiness. You won't want to Uh, have to make a vow of keeping your word. You'll be a person of integrity. You'll be the person who can love your enemies, who can turn the other cheek, who can pray for those who persecute you. He says you'll be a person freed from image management. 
You'll no longer have to live for the approval of the crowd, chapter 6. And last week we looked at, you'll be a person who transcends worrying about all the things that people in this world worry about. And today he comes to the part that is a logical response to this call of inner righteousness, and that is giving up controlling other people so that they will be the kind of people you want them to be. A number of years ago, back in the 80s actually, I had uh, been approached by a Catholic church in Louisville to be a speaker at their, at their sports banquet. They said, we heard you speak a number of years ago at Northeast Christian Church at their sports banquet, and we uh, were impressed by that, and we wanted you to come and speak to our sports banquet. So I said, sure, I'll, I'll come and speak. Well, what I did not know is that a number of years before that, another person had spoken at their sports banquet who was a six foot seven inch 215-pound University of Louisville black basketball player who could spin a ball while he was playing the piano and that's who they were asking for. And Northeast Christian Church knew of a basketball player. And they gave them my name. <laughs> well, she goes on to talk about how much she'd been impressed by my talk. And, and uh, you know, humility prevents me from saying all the nice things she'd said about my talk. And, she, and so I was so inebriated with her flattery that I ignored the part where she talked about spinning a basketball while playing a piano because... I didn't know about that, but I knew I was Charlie McMahon, and I was feeling pretty good about that at that point. Well, I come in on the night of the banquet, and I come to the front door, and, and I say, uh, I see some ladies there at the front door of, of the, in the parlor of the, the, the church, and I said, hey, I'm Charlie McMahon, and I'm here to speak tonight. And this lady gets this ashen look on her face, and she goes, hold, I said, is Carol here? Carol was my contact, and she goes, hold on just a second. And she goes rushing down the steps to the basement where all the preparations are being made for the basement or for the banquet in the basement. And 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 I can hear that going on. And then I hear this lady say to Carol, she goes, Carol, come here. And like I got a whisper that could be heard for two city blocks. She said, Carol, come here. There's a little white man upstairs who says he's Charlie McMahon and he's here to speak tonight. And, I, and it was a, just an absolute disaster. I mean, they were expecting this kind of just engaging talk because the hook was all these kids are going to watch this guy play uh, a piano while spinning a basketball in his finger. And I could spin a basketball, but ain't no way I'm playing a piano. You know, there isn't no way. And it was just an absolute disaster from beginning to end. And I say that because all of us have been in circumstances and we find ourselves when we live this life where people aren't who we thought them to be. And what we tend to do is we go to control central. The number one killer of relationships is trying to make you something I think you ought to be. It's the best way to kill a student, by the way. We've learned this, is try to make them something they're not is the best way to just kill a student's spirit. And so today we come to where Jesus is diagnosing. Now remember, he said, lay aside anger. Why? You can because you're flooded with goodness. And he logically says this. He logically says, now, as a result of living with this goodness, you'll no longer feel the need 
to control other people. You'll no longer feel the need to make people what you think they ought to be. And he says it, Matthew 7, 1, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it'll be measured to you. Now, I want you to notice three laws today. And the first two are right there, the law of reciprocity. And then we'll get to the law of responsibility. Look at this in the Message Bible, Matthew 7, 1. Don't pick on people. Jump on their failures. Criticize their faults. Unless, of course, you want the same treatment, that critical spirit has a way of boomeranging. And this is true. The tendency is in life, if you're unmerciful to people, you tend to not get mercy. Have you ever met that person who said, the people in this neighborhood, I, I, you know, somebody moves into the neighborhood, and, and but people in this neighborhood aren't very friendly. And there's someone else that comes up to you and says, boy, people in this neighborhood are so friendly. And what's the difference? Well, you soon find out. But one person is not very friendly, and the other person's really friendly. Because why? You tend to get in life how you treat other people. That's the law of reciprocity. And so one of the interesting things about trying to control other people's behavior is it tends to boomerang. It, you tend to be the one who gets control, and it just amps up the intensity. Verse 3 is then the law of of responsibility. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You play actor. Remember that word Hippocrates. It meant a, a dramatist, a play actor, a mask wearer. First take the plank out of your own eye, then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. There's their law of responsibility. That You do have a responsibility to change a person in your life. Who is it? It's you. It is you. And isn't it isn't amazing how we have the capacity to be the last person to know our planks. Now, I want to say something here. Do not criticize, do not judge, does not mean do not be discerning. The idea of condemnation and judgment is the idea of you make a deduction of that person's character and worth based on the behavior you see in them that you don't like. So he's not saying give up all discernment. Don't evaluate your spouse's behavior. Just let them go free and do whatever they want. That, does, that doesn't mean that. Let's say you have a dentist and you go to get a checkup, your early checkup, and the dentist says... You know, I see a couple cavities, and I see evidence that you haven't been, you haven't been flossing your teeth. Now, you, you could say, golly, my dentist judges me. My dentist is criticizing me. What's that dentist doing? She's doing her job, right? Now, if she goes, you're an idiot. You call it hygiene? I call it low gene. You are terrible at taking care of your, your, your teeth. I'll bet you're bad at managing money. I'll bet you're lazy at everything else. Now they've judged you, all right? They have made a conclusion about your character and your being based on what they've seen. So he's not saying, don't be discerning. He's saying, Stop making sweeping judgments and conclusions. This is so needed in our culture because, you know, if you notice here, Jesus doesn't say, do not judge, do not criticize, except for Democrats. 
go ahead and it's free reign on Republicans. Like you can do whatever you want in criticizing them. He doesn't say that. He doesn't give any exceptions. He just says, this is not to be a part of your life. One of the things I tell people is one of the best things that could happen to your life, it is so un-American though that I almost have no hope in this ever happening, is lose your thumbs. Right now, some of you have thumbs that are going, this sermon's good, this sermon's bad. You just like, we are trained to have thumbs, where we give everything a thumbs up or everything a thumbs down. You know one of the best things you can do is it doesn't mean don't be discerning, just lose your thumbs. Let, every, let some things just be what they are. You don't have to judge everything. You don't have to make a... Your opinion doesn't always need to be heard, right? It doesn't always need to be heard. And, and, and he says, especially in light of the fact of the law of responsibility, that often when you're focused on someone else's character defects, you miss what is obvious to you about everyone else. Focus on you. You're the one who needs dikaiusene, much more pro- probably than they do. That's the law of responsibility. Look at verse 6. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and, tear, and turn and tear you to pieces. This is the law of receptivity. Stop giving people your pearls of wisdom that they have not asked for. This is exactly what he said. This is still the same point about control. Yeah, I know. I know you have these pearls of wisdom but they're not asking for those. And this is a really dangerous thing, especially it's difficult if you have students because you're still in that area of, you know, I mean, if you have a, if you have a, a, a student who's a male, his frontal lobe's not developed yet. So you need to help protect him from some of the decisions he'll make. Yes, you do. But what often happens is we begin to tread into territory where, look what he's saying there, we're giving the equivalent of, of pearls to pigs and dogs. My dog Rafa is a wonderful dog, but if I if, but if I literally put pearls across our kitchen floor, he would do what Rafa does whenever something something falls on the floor. What would he do? He would eat them, and then about forty five minutes later, by my latest calculation, <laughs> they would be back on our kitchen floor. If you know what I'm saying, but not because he's not a spiritual dog, it's because Pearls don't matter to dogs and pigs. They want nutrition. If a pig is rooting around, I can guarantee you he's not looking for pearls. Because why? Pearls aren't useful to pigs. What you consider to be valuable may not be something that is useful to another person at this moment in time. And this is a really, really careful thing that requires great wisdom. And that is stop trying to change people by giving them stuff they're not ready to receive anyway. I've seen this happen so many times by well-meaning spouses who are trying to convert their spouse. And what, what ends up happening? Does the, the spouse who's being the convertee, do they go, oh, thank you so much for, for making it obvious that I'm the pagan in this relationship. Thank you for praying for me that I might find Jesus. Thank you for leaving the magnets on the refrigerator, turn or burn, and Jesus is calling. And, and uh, thank you so much. That just, that, what, what, what tends to happen when you're giving pearls to people who don't want pearl? What tends to happen? Do they become more receptive? They tend to go, oh. that's why Jesus 
was subversive in what he did. He didn't even give pearls to pigs. He didn't even give pearls to people who weren't ready for them. A rich young ruler, he just let him go. He wasn't ready for it. He wasn't ready for it. He just let him go. And this is one of the reasons sometimes we get criticism in players' box that it's not Jesus enough. You know why? It's because we're trying to build a relationship with students. We're not trying to cram Jesus down their throat. We're trying to love them. We're trying to show them Jesus before we start talking to them about Jesus because we've learned that students aren't really receptive to Jesus talks before they know, hey, this person really loves me. They're not trying to get a spiritual scalp on their, on their wall. It's, it's the truth, friends. It's the tr- Thank you. Because w- the criticism we've got, there's not enough Jesus in this. Yeah, that's right. That's why I'm, I, in the last 10 years, I've been able to pastor Hindu kids and Muslim kids. It's because I don't come blazing Jesus at them when I come into the, the gym. And this is so critical when it comes to this, that there's this wisdom. And look what he says. Look what he says. Verse 7. Here's what you do. This is the basis of all human relationship. Your relationship with God, your relationship with people. Ask. Ask. And it'll be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. It's really fascinating that he says, let go of the control. You give it over to God. If you have a... a a request to make of your spouse, you ask them. And remember, the basis, we did a series on this a few years ago, the basis of all healthy relationship is A-S-K, ask, seek, knock. And if I trust you, I will trust your no as much as I trust your yes. That's how you know if you have a healthy relationship with a person is when you trust them saying, nope, I can't do that right now. And you trust that? Now we're not controlling each other. We are loving each other. And he says, which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or which of you, if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? In other words, instead of controlling people, lay your, get in the habit of laying what you would love to see happen before God. Let him deal with it. Because he's the only one that can change you and anyone else anyway. And in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. That's the, the golden rule, right? How many of you look back on your life and go, man, if I'd have just had more people lecturing me, I would have been so much better. If I'd have just had more people trying to control my behavior, I'd have been so receptive to that. And I would have not made all these mistakes I made. No, 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 no. You don't want people manipulating you. Here's the word, here's the word. Every person, look at every person in this room right now. Everybody wants to be a part of this though. Every person wants to be a part of what Dallas Willard called the church, the community of prayerful love. People who, if you ask me, I'll give input into your life. I'm not so open-minded that my brains are falling out. I'll I'll give discernment, but I'm not going to try to control you. And it's a wonderful day when we say, but I'll love you. I'll speak truth. When, you're, when, when we're in a kind of relationship where you invite me into that, I'll speak that. And you can trust me, faithful are the wounds of a friend. But I'm not going to try to make you something that I need you to be for me. That's not love. That's control. And it's one of the reasons why our culture is so messed up. Why religion doesn't work, because religion is another mechanism 
to try to control people. That's what it is. That's, what, that's the big definition of religion is it's sin management. And we often try to do it with people and their sins that bug us the most. How many of you... How many of you question daylight savings time? How many of you are drowsy right now and you question it? Now, how many of you know, why are we, have you ever, why are we still doing this? Like, 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 why are we still doing this? Well, that's what religion does. Religion tends to have these things that were set up years ago for certain reasons, and we just keep doing them. And, and that's a way for us to control people. That's what religion does. It puts fear into people. We'll control them with guilt and fear and manipulation and it's a little bit like, how many of you need to do 10 jumping jacks right now? Because you're just falling asleep because it's daylight savings time. And who needs that? Nobody needs that. But what we do need is the washing of an inner goodness because we spend so much time around Jesus in our life. We walk with him that his goodness is starting to come in. And it's a wonderful day. You know, I, I, there, there are things I wish could change in this culture, but I tell you, it's liberating to live with people that you don't necessarily agree on some of their decisions, but you can love them anyway. Because you don't feel, it's not, it's not my job. To, I've never converted a single person. I've never, I've never in 37 years, I've never converted a single person to Jesus. That's his deal, isn't it? Now, this is so critical in this era that we want to take time today to give you particular outlets and places to go. The implications of a control, shame-based culture are enormous. I believe it's the biggest reason why today we are suffering from such mental health issues. I don't know if you saw this week, but there was a lineman at OSU Harry Miller, who was a five-star recruit from Georgia. He is a 4-0 student in the College of Engineering and a remarkable young man. And he retired from football this week. Here's an excerpt from his statement. I have seen people seek help before. And I have seen the age-old adage of how our generation was softening by the second. But I can tell you my skin was tough. It had to be, but it was not tougher than the sharp metal of my box cutter. And I saw how easy it was for people t to dismiss others by talking about how they were just a dumb college kid who didn't know anything. But luckily, I am a student in the College of Engineering, and I have a 4.0, and whatever accolades you might require, so maybe if somebody's hurt can be taken seriously for once, it can be mine. And maybe I can vouch for all the other people who hurt but are not taken seriously because for some reason, pain must have prerequisites in our culture. Above all, I have learned love. What type of love that can only be pieced together by the mechanism of brutal sadness. And so I would love more than I can be hated or laughed at, for I know the people who are sneering at me right now need most is the love that I have been looking for. The cost of apathy is life. But the price of life is as small as an act of kindness. I am a life today that has been preserved by the kindness that has been offered to me by others when I could not produce kindness for myself. We ask, how could this have happened? 
But that single question cannot absolve us of all the questions we might have asked while it was happening. Today, I am grateful for the infrastructure of Coach Day and what he has put in place at Ohio State. And I'm grateful that he is letting me find a new way to help others in the program. I hope athletic departments around the country do the same. If not for him and the staff, my words would not be a reflection. They would be evidence in a postmortem. God bless those who love. God bless those who weep. God bless those who hurt. And only know how to share their hurt by anger. For they are learning to love with me. And today I'm alive. And as many of you know, this is why as a church we are transitioning to be a place that is safe for the Harry Millers of the world. That, that we're not trying to be a religious place that controls people's behavior. We're trying to be the community of prayerful love that trusts Jesus to change people when he feels like they're ready and he's ready. So what we wanted to do was end today with practical ways where if you're in this room today and you have someone or you yourself, you know that there are people around you who don't know how bad it is. That you have a way to make the connections that Harry Miller made. Many of you know that Players Box came out of our story. And nearly losing our kids. And it just has opened our heart. And people ask me, what did you learn through all that? I said, I learned to love. That's what I learned. I learned you, you can't, you think you can control your kid? You can't. You can't. It's an illusion that you lost control of them at 13. You lost control of them when they were out of their mother's belly. That's when you lost control of them. And it's only love that heals the human soul. So we have a, a few of our pastors up here today. Ryan Massey is a City Lights pastor and leads the Discipleship Initiative. Mindy Fedotowski is a City Lights pastor and is also instrumental in our counseling. We give away $400,000 a year in free counseling, pastoral counseling. And Olivia Albrecht is now our family pastor who is, who is really right now focusing on student ministry. So would you give them a hand and thank them for what they do with their lives. So, Ryan, I'm going to start with you and then Mindy and then Olivia. What are you hearing right now um, in regards to your conversations? What's going on in people's lives? This is an extraordinary moment in history. Yeah, I, I think, first of all, on a positive note, because I did ask Jody this question too. She said it does feel like people are thankful. Like there's mm -hmm. a lot of people that there's thankfulness that we're sort of moving past the pandemic and people can do things. As far as the, the brokenness and hurt and pain, it feels like there's just nervousness and paranoia in some cases about where we're going, where our country's heading, you know, where we're, 
where what, what's going to happen as a parent, as many parents, it's like, gosh, where are my kids going to end up? Because the culture is so much different now than when, than when we grew up, right? Mm-hmm. And so there is, I think, a, a fear in, uh, in a lot of people. And I think that a lot of it is under the surface. I don't know if people are better at hiding it now or if, or if we're just worse than drawing it out of people. But, but, but if you dig a little bit with some people that seem fine on the surface... There's just a lot boiling underneath that, yeah. that people have become very good at pushing yeah. down or hiding. Yeah. So. Mindy, what about you? You're front and center on this every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm seeing a lot, a heightened level of isolation, um, disconnection, depression, stress, anxiety, a lot of relational issues too. You know, the breaking down of relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I notice is that uh, doing Players Box here on Tuesday nights that we have now we have set up other offices for counseling like we have literally your office is used for counseling now on Tuesday nights the need is so great I think that's great. really instrumental that you'll see this office being used for counseling this office being used for counseling Tuesday night we have up to like seven rooms being used on a Tuesday and Wednesday night it's, and we're seeing more and more younger it's getting younger and younger and younger yeah. We can't underestimate the impact all of this has had on society. Yeah. Olivia, what about you? You've been, you've been on staff now for a month or two, and, um, but very experienced in this. What are you seeing? What patterns are you seeing? That every member of the family is under a tremendous amount of pressure, and everyone's schedule is so busy that there not only is there an abundance of pressure, there is a lack of rest that... Families are going from one activity to the next, to the next, to the next. And that when our schedules are are full, there is no white space. And lots of families are asking, are we, are we doing enough? Are we good enough? Is there more that we can be doing? And that everyone in the family is looking for assurance that not only are they on the right path, but they are doing enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the tendency is to want to do more and more and more, and which can be part of the problem. Mindy, you have um, the, you know, some specific resources that we want to point people to. And let's just start there. And then Ryan and Olivia, I want to hear from you guys on this. What are some practices or resources that you initiate to start helping people that someone can literally connect with today after we're done? Well, literally today, you can go to counseling at southbrook.org. And if you feel like that's, you need to process and need a safe place to process your life, um, and get validation, we have a, a, a tremendous staff of volunteer counselors that are available. But also, I, I'm going to give a shameless plug, if you don't mind. We, um, we train all of our counselors, or most of them are um, volunteers. So if you feel like you're the kind of person who people naturally synergize towards you, and they want to talk to you and reveal themselves to you, and you want to use yourself in that type of ministry. We do have counseling training that we provide, and we're going to do that the first weekend of April on a Friday and Saturday. We need people, guys. The demand is huge, and the rooms are full. And to that point, all of our Players Box coaches now, you have to go through that training. You have to go. It's it's tremendously practical training on how to care. Ryan, you're really instrumental in leading this movement of City Lights that is to get people into the up, in, and out life you know, helping each of us in our relationship with God up, helping 
serve our community out, but the end of support, City Lights is really to create the connection, care, and community that people are looking for to belong. What would you say to someone today who says, I want to put my foot out of the bush, you know, I'm afraid that I'm doing hide and seek too well. And you remember when you were playing hide and seek as a kid, and you go, well, they're not going to find me. I better stick a foot out, because I think they're, they're not going to find me. And people are <laughs> sticking their feet out today of the bush. What would you say to that person here this morning? There are three things that are in my mind right now that I might suggest. And with the City Lights thing, I would certainly encourage anybody to go out and talk to people in the City Lights area after church. It's kind of past the coffee out there. Um, but being connected in authentic relationship where you can actually be authentic with people and that is encouraging you to take scriptural steps in your walk with Christ, both of those dimensions are super important because what we're doing is, as we do that, is we are learning to adjust to the God who is on the throne, who is in charge. That I'm not in control of my life, but I do know the one who is on the throne and in charge. And so as I, as I take steps in authentic community to do that, it helps me come under his authority and covering as I, as I step forward uh, with healthy steps. Um, and so there are groups, there are uh, community groups and discovery groups and just city light groups in general that you can certainly connect with outside of the walls of Southbrook. And of course, there's also men's and women's ministry and some other groups that meet inside the walls that you can connect with. The two other things that I might suggest, one is there's an app called the Pause app, P-A-U-S-E, and it was created by John Eldridge based on this idea of the one-minute pause, that if you're feeling out of control during your day or that you're wanting to take control, that it's an app that walks you through a one, three, five, or ten-minute pause, whatever you've got the, the minute, whatever you've got the time for. It could even be at work, you know, if you're sitting for a moment or you're taking a break. Um, to just release the stuff that's going on in, in your life to God. It just kind of walks you through that of filing back under God and giving that to him, okay? I would highly suggest trying the pause app. And you can do that at various points through the day. The third thing would be our learning circle, which I didn't, it's not gonna be on the board or anything, but you can read about this um, on the screen, not the board, that's like old school. Uh, <laughs> The, the it's because you're circle. addicted to whiteboards. He, he has a whiteboard that's like this big that he carries around with him because yeah. he draws things. So yeah. doesn't yeah, even addicted. fit in my car. You're a connoisseur of whiteboards, yeah. aren't you? People make fun of me. Yeah. Like now me. more people will make fun of me. Now more Thanks. people will make fun of me. Yeah. But, um, but, the, but the learning circle helps you process when you experience a moment, a high stress moment, a moment when you want to take control, when, where you don't have dominion, Right. Those sorts of things, when you experience a moment where your emotions or your will is impacted, you can walk yourself through a process of, of asking the questions, what, what is the lie that I'm believing right now, or what is the, the incomplete belief that's, that's happening in my mind right now? What would God speak to that belief? What's the discovery? What would, what's the new truth that God would offer me in place of that that I can choose to believe? And then how am I going to step into what I'm going to do about that mm -hmm. as I talk to other people about how to do that, right? 
And so you can actually access that at, at our, our website called 5sjourney.org. And it's at our huddle resources. It's called the Learning Circle. There's a reading you can read it's about. It's a great that. tool. Yeah. It's a great tool. It, it, actually, it works because it gives you that moment to, before the outcome, pause. Olivia, you're very involved with students and families. If you could say, hey, here's something that someone is in crisis and I'm going to give them this help today, what, what would that be from your standpoint? Yeah, well, the first thing when someone is feeling overwhelmed or feels like they've lost control is just to take a step back, take a deep breath, um, because we're so zeroed in in our perspectives in those moments. Um, to take a step back, look at it from a different perspective and ask yourself, is this going to matter so many minutes from now or so many years from now? Um, or does this just, is this the moment? Um, and to kind of re reset your perspective that way. Um, and then to, if you need help or you're struggling in, in communicating, trying to communicate as clearly and as gently as possible. Uh, because even though in families we are all members of the same unit, we're all individuals in that unit. We have different perspectives, we have different expectations, we have different feelings and different ways of approaching that. Um, and so if someone in your family or someone that you're struggling to communicate with or uh, a reason that you're feeling out of control could be because someone doesn't understand your expectation. Um, and so trying to be non, as non-judgmental as possible mm -hmm. in re-clarifying re and communicating your perspective. Yeah. Mindy, to that point, kind of bouncing off of that, one of the things that's killing families is flying pearls. Like you get upset and pearls start flying around the, the house. We're just hitting each other with our pearls of opinion and perspective. But you have a, a, a saying that's really based on cognitive therapy. The two, the two questions of cognitive therapy is what would, be, what would your life be like if a miracle happened tonight and you woke up tomorrow? And, and then, but the number two thing is what you deal with, and that is what part can you play in making that miracle happen? Empowering people, you call it helping people find their superpower. Would you explain what you mean by that? Because, I, because that is what cognitive therapy is. It's not, I'll give you the answers. It's especially through the Holy Spirit. You have the answers. I'm going to draw those out of you. Yeah. I mean, you're all sitting here today and you've all had successes. So it's building on the success that you've already had. So figure out what you do well and do more of it. Figure out what you don't, what's not working so well in your life and do less of it. But I will say tagging into being heard in a family especially, the best way to be heard is to first listen. Without argument, without defense, without art, you know, planning your next statement about what you're going to say, but to really listen to someone. Man, that opens the door so wide if someone feels heard. I think most of the conflicts people experience is because they feel like they're not being heard. Whether you agree or not, there's something in what someone else says that's valid, that's useful, that you can grow from. So give people the space to articulate that, and then you can own your role, let them own theirs. It's the number one superpower is listening, isn't it? Well, you know? It's the least used superpower? It is, it is. that's right. <laughs> but, but if you want people to think you're the most wonderful person in the world, absolutely. be a good listener. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, guy asked his wife, so honey, what... How good of a listener am I? And she said, oh, you know, maybe a, a seven on a scale of one to ten. 
And he goes, what did you say? <laughs> you know, the, the idea is that, that this, we're often asking the question and then we're locking into what we're going to say and what, what nurtures the human soul. The human soul will be heard. The human soul will be heard in some way. I, I love this vision Jesus has of, but I'm going to establish a community of prayerful love that we relinquish control to God. Ask. I can't num- name the number of people that have been through struggles with their students and they'll later say, I never prayed for them one time, except in crisis. I prayed for them that they, you know, once it got desperate. But I never really prayed and said, God, you, you, you're their father. This child is yours. And it's amazing how many parents, instead of saying, God, I know I play a role here. I've got to be discerning and wise. At the end of the day, only you can change the human soul. And that's where we really want to be as a church. I can't tell you how much we don't want to be a religious place that gives you 10 boundaries that you must keep or you're not a part of this place. No, we want you to trust the God of all grace to where you say, Lord, my life is yours. Fill me with your goodness. Fill my child with your presence. And we'll just keep living and loving every day. So we wanted to close this with prayer. The point that Olivia and Mindy and Ryan being up here today is putting faces to places where you can get help today. The thing I love about Harry Miller coming forward is that he's, here's this big, strong guy who's saying, I know I look strong, but I'm not. And I know for myself, uh, in 1997, when I was diagnosed with depression, and I told our church that, because I felt like I should be honest, was the day our church changed. Because people said, I can admit it when I'm not killing it. You know, I can admit it. And so we want to close today in modeling the community of prayerful love. And like never before, would you join us? Like, like really follow my words. If, if you need to, just like repeat them back as, as, as we want to be this community. Let's pray. thankful that you are gracious and kind and we are thankful that your mercies are new each morning whether we are feeling out of control or we are struggling with giving up that grasp we ask that your your spirit guides us on on the next step to take and that we take you up on that invitation whether that is taking a deep breath or resetting a new routine or asking for help and we pray that you're with us every step of the way In your name, amen. Amen. Thank you, everyone. See you next week for part seven. Thank you.